I figured you'd have gotten your ass handed to you back there. Kaneda? I wouldn't talk down to me if I were you. Alright kids, on episode 45 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, we have a very special guest. Uh, we have Cody Miller uh, from 904 Pinball Zine who joined me in a great conversation last night. Uh, I just want to let it air. It was, it was a great talk. We talk about stuff like Ghostbusters, ghosted inserts. We talk about the pinball price police. We talk about whether or not there's a bubble. We talk about John Papaduke. We talk about Kevin from Skit B. We sort of cover the gamut, and it's just a really, really good conversation. So without further ado, I want to let you guys hear it. It's about an hour, um, but it'll be well worth your listen. So ladies and gentlemen, let me roll the tape. I want to welcome to Canada's Pinball Podcast a new guest to the show. And I know you guys are excited to hear interviews because that means it's not just me rambling for 30 minutes to an hour about ghosted inserts. Um, I want to welcome Cody Miller, who is also sort of like the the godfather of his own pinball media channel, 904 Pinball Zine. Um, You might have seen Cody's interviews. We're going to talk a bit about... Uh, the man who interviewed John Papaduke before that whole thing blew up. But Cody, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So Cody, for the listeners of this show who know nothing about you, uh, give us a quick sort of just synopsis of your relationship to pinball and and how you are part of this hobby. Okay, I'll give you the bing, bang, boom. Uh, I grew up with a 74 Sky Jump in the house that my dad kept from his... uh, arcade in Wyoming he had in the early 70s and it eventually broke I eventually played PC and console games and basically you know I only played Ninja Turtles and uh, Bugs Bunny Pinball Party like trash uh, trash like Bugs Bunny Pinball Party and some other garbage Sounds at a local putt putt and then um, I, I stumbled upon pinball again when in uh, late 2007 I moved to downtown Seattle, and uh, four blocks away from my apartment was uh, this Coney Island-themed pub called Shorty's. First game was Spider-Man. After the first game, um, I was addicted, uh, again, to pinball in my adult life, and um, I stumbled upon this zine called uh, Skill Shot, and it's this treasure map. If you pick up one, if you never picked up one, pick it up. It just—it's a treasure map, and you just go around town. And um, and when I and before I left, I was like, I never bought a game when I lived there because they're everywhere. And I—I I just uh, did the math in my head. I'm like, if I have a certain amount of games making a certain amount of money, I can live off this shit. So I moved back to you know Jacksonville, 2009, and uh, found all the pinball machines. Uh, I took two years off, just did what I wanted, went to Burning Man, just traveled coast to coast because I was just over IT stuff. And eventually I bought a pinball machine, Terminator 2, and a Batman Forever, and then Tales from the Crypt. And uh, I, I, stu- I stumbled on a record skateboard shop at the end of 2011. I instantly connected with the, the dude in the store. I said, uh, do you want a Batman Forever pinball machine here? And he said, yes. And I was like, that was easy. And I've been a collector operator since. Okay. So you went from being a player to a collector to an operator sort of all a little bit simultaneously, it sounds like. 
And and so this is what you do now for a living, right? You are a pinball operator slash collector? Right. It, it took me three and a half years to figure it out. Um, I, my second game I bought at a convention in Orlando, and I drove it straight to my next location. And at that location, I... I, but I called other operators. I'm like, do you want to place games here and there? I was placing games for them because, you know, they, they're not creative. So it was this place called Aphotic Crypt. It was like a body jewelry goth store. And they this operator had Adam's family there. I said, and he wanted to move his game out. I'm like, whatever. And so I said, I delivered my toast from the crypt as he pulled out his, uh, uh, his Adam's family. I got 100% there. So I was like, uh, win-win. Right. So what, break it down. So I know there's always a lot of sort of speculation on what the relationship between establishment and operator is. Is it like a 50-50 deal? You go to these guys and you say, look, I want to put a pinball machine here. You take half the cut, I take half the cut. Or is it, what's the split for like an operator these days? I love that question because you don't get what you want in this world (laughs) and you do not get what you need. You get what you negotiate. Right. That's life. So each deal is different. Any operator that's given 50-50 on like new pinball machines is a moron. <laughs> that, because there's, uh, there's operators out there that get 100% on a brand new game. Because if you think about it, pinball is the entertainment. In many aspects in the location, it's boring. A bar is boring. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's some chairs. It's uh, tables. It's some generic sports on TV like you haven't seen a touchdown before. And... Pinball is the entertainment at a lot of venues, and uh, I think operators kind of – they don't get that. They don't right. get that it is entertainment, and it's its a unique thing that should get uh, should get top earnings. Right. Well, that make, I mean that makes sense. I mean especially with the prices of pinball machines these days, you're dropping a six to $8,000 device inside a bar that's going to get pretty beat on. You know, it's kind of – doesn't make much sense to allow the – the bar to take half of that cut so how many games do you currently have right now out on location and how many do you have in your personal collection right now almost every single game i own is out okay 18 pinball machines out and um 20 video games i i never wanted to do video games i i i called everybody i knew i said hey does anybody want to route video games i'll give you a location i'll help you deliver the games Nobody wanted it. A free business. Everybody said no. So I found a Street Fighter 2 and, and a Tekken and a, this and a Ninja Turtles. And I just, Simpsons, I started just buying that stuff too because it's, I mean, there's not much to it, you know. Now, what earns better, pinball or arcade? Mm, pinball all day, every day. But bang for buck, I mean, you get a $400 Street Fighter, ooh, just buy them. Spy Street Fighters, buy Mortal Kombat's. Right. You know, it, I mean, they just, even if you said to ungodly hard, like I have a Street Fighter 2 15th anniversary, I'm kind of proud of this. Um, they programmed it to uh, be ungodly hard after the first uh, one or two, um, you know, characters you fight. And people don't care. They, you know, after a minute, they're pleased with their 50 cents. It's kind of funny, whereas Pinball, they're like, well, I didn't get to play for 30 minutes on, on 75 cent. You know, it's that's really obscene that people think that they should get half an hour of enjoyment out of a dollar on a new game. That's my only beef. Like, 
about the new Ghostbusters and, and like modern games on route, um, it's not about ball time. It's about it's about earnings, man. It's not right. you know, and and if if you suck at pinball, you're not going to get your money's worth, you know. But if you're decent, you know, you still might not get your money's worth. But the games are flashy now, you know. Right, we heard a lot when when Ghostbusters came out, and and it and it was pretty apparent that it was a brutal game. A lot of people were saying operators are going to hate this game because people are going to get frustrated and not play it. But it sounds like it's the complete opposite, right? I mean, you want a game that's a little bit immediately gratifying, but also doesn't have like someone sitting on the Hobbit for forty five minutes on one ball, like trying to unlock forty, you know, thirty one modes. Well, like Lord of the Rings historically has been a very I have one route. It earned very well. Hell, I had it at a Magic the Gathering card shop that was really hip on it. Uh, very long ball times. Some of my customers said, oh, I got to destroy the ring. I'm thinking, well, they sure got their money out of 50 cent. But Ghostbusters, every single operator, collector operator I know, um, it's their best earner of any game they've had in recent memory. Right. So let's let's talk about Ghostbusters and the issues that are plaguing it right now from a, from an operator standpoint, right? Because we've heard so much about the issues with ghosted inserts and the issues with you know the ball jumping over the railing on the sides and the center drain issues. Do operators really give a crap about ghosted inserts or some of these other things that you know the collectors sort of freak out about? Operator, no. Operator only cares about earnings. Collector operators are uh, kind of twisted in the head because they they want the game to work right, but they understand that, I mean, if it's a new game, it should work 100%. Honestly, right. you're charging a buck. Right. You know, but um, uh, we ha- we have one locally at a, uh, at a bowling place in St. Augustine, and um, since about, I mean, about two days in, the slimer doesn't work. Well, this operator does not fix it, and it's still a buck. So what do you do? You disable it and make it 50 cents, 75 cents. Do you eventually, like, fix it? Um, But another operator I know has – I can attest that the ones coming out now do work out of the box. Uh, A friend of mine bought a Pro, Slimer worked uh, day one out of the box, um, as close to 100% as the Met can. Um, that was a production date of a week prior to that. Um, but there's other ones on route and I've played and they work. Um, but yeah, they should work. Right, yeah. right. Well, what's your, like right now out of your, of the, of the variety of pins you have out there, like what are your top earners on location right now? Super Mario Brothers. Really? All, all day, every day. It's a me, Mario. <laughs> He says, uh, more money, please. He's so fucking polite. Like, <laughs> you know, whereas, because most, unfortunately, a lot of customers don't even know how to hit start. You talk to any operator or any collector operator, they're, they're going to attest to that. They, you know, whereas Mario's like, it's a me. Give me your wallet. You know, right, one. right. Um, that game, um, I got ACDC Pro. I mean, any anything like modern uh, pretty much earns. Um, X Files just fine, but but for me it's bang for buck. Like I don't have much. I didn't. I don't have much in Mario. I don't have much in X Files or. I mean, hell, I have a big house. I don't. It 
It's very, I have the only one on route in the universe. Um, I found it some dump place in Tampa and brought it back from the dead. I don't really have much in it, but bang, bang for a buck, it, it earns uh, better than like a new game would. Right, uh, right. Most new games. So it's like if you have a cheap game, you know, to me that's what it is. Like if you have a new game, it better earn because right. if it plummets and it earns what like a $2,000 game should earn, proportionate. It's all relative. Sure. Sure. It's just like you're doing, you know, you're 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 doing a favor to pinball players, but you know, right. Uh, well, it's 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 interesting. So, like, when you look at new in box machines now, like, are you looking to put? You're so you, it seems like you're looking to find games to put on location that you could probably get for like a good price. But that will be enough of a good theme to attract people to, to jump on it, right? So if Super Mario Brothers is earning great, I mean, why would you even bother, you know, with these new prices of seven, eight thousand dollars? Like you're gonna have to work five times harder in terms of getting your ROI on those kind of games, right? Do you even like look at new inbox now, or do you mainly look at stuff that's just used and available at a good price? Right, so I only have one. Like I only got ever got one new inbox game. I uh, I traded a routed Lord of the Rings for a new inbox ACDC about three years ago. Um, it was win win. I mean, the right. guy sold it instantly for like fifty five hundred. Um, and uh, I intend on getting a Ghostbusters Pro. I'm trying to wait out the uh, uh, the, the Slimer Mech problem. Um, I don't call it ghosting because ghosting is an already a term for LEDs. I call it separation anxiety. Right. Uh, that's what I call it because it looks like that. And it happens on Spider-Man, which is a Genesis game called separation anxiety. Um, but yeah, I, I would get a Ghostbusters Pro. I, I have a movie theater location. I just talked to them today about I intend on doing it. I just I would sell older games to facilitate it because all my research of other operators telling me that it earns like no other game. I mean, hands down. Right. Uh, it, to me, it's a hit right. because I put, you know, I helped my friend pick it up and I played it, I played for four hours straight last week. Right. It's yeah. And it's, I think that's why people are probably so frustrated with the, the issues is that on the other side of the coin, the game is so much fun and a, and a addictive to people right so it's like nothing worse than i love the game but every time i stare down at the play field i'm, I'm you know i'm frustrated because i'm seeing ghosted inserts and clear coat chipping so have you been following uh, are you on, are you on pin side code and you been following all the the drama around ghostbusters and, and and stern's sort of lack of response to the collector on on the machine it, yeah I, I i watch it i'm i'm high protein on pin side and um, I, I, I've kept an eye on it. Uh, what do you think they're going to do? I mean, what do you think? St if, if, if you were, if you bought an $8,000 noon box Ghostbusters LE, right. And you were having some ghosted insert issues or separation anxiety issues. What, what do you think their response is going to be? I mean, well, you can't fix it. So you have to throw them a new play field. Um, I mean, if they're fortunate enough to live in a, like a city, um, there's always techs. And what happens with – this is from my experience and, and I've seen of other people is when they have a problem, Stern has been good about 
sending parts or play a populated play field. Um, when the, the ACDC premium uh, right, the, the under, play field was just mud, Right. Uh, they sent new ones. I've known people with a Tron and problem. I've known people with Metallica and problem. And to me, some of these things are not like new play field, new game worthy. But I have seen people get new game. I don't want to say for every instance, but sometimes new games or uh, populated play fields. I, I have seen that happen for certain things. Um, talking to a, a local dealer, you know, he believes that it's it's not it's not all of them, and it's not a lot of them, and it's something that um, they'll be able to narrow down. Um, how mad would I be if I bought a uh, Ghostbusters LE that's uh, it's got answer problems? I, I I don't know. Like uh, I I would have it on route right now, still earning. That's for sure. <laughs> like right. Well, it's it's going to be interesting because I know Gary Stern actually has started to respond to some of the the owners individually, and it sounds like Stern is going to have some sort of playfield program that they're going to set in place with distributors to sort of let people know what their fix is. So uh, I, I think this, this has sort of become the most prevalent dialogue and dramatic situation all summer in pinball, and it's going to be interesting because I think that these collectors, they're not operators, right, and they spend so much money. They're, I feel like people are going to demand uh, populated play fields because we know that most of the guys who own these things couldn't possibly do the service themselves so we'll see how that plays out but are are you in in terms of like so everything you buy pretty much goes on location like you're like i'm gonna buy something to put it out there to make money off of right i don't have do you have any machines in your home at all or is it all out yeah i've got a a jokers that's a it's just in shambles. I gotta. I'm eventually fixing that for route. Uh, that's that's it. I mean, that's really about it. Right. Okay. So, like, is it? What's the market like right now for as an operator? Like, is is business booming right now? Is, are you seeing a resurgence in pinball? We keep hearing about that on Pinside, and I always wonder, like, is it as big as Pinside says it? is or you know i definitely see more barcades popping up in new york city i see more pinball going on to location what's business like in 2016 compared to when you got started okay i i'm gonna kind of throw seattle under the bus here so when i moved there in 2007 i i got hooked uh october november and i went everywhere in 2008 and for this being one of the meccas for pinball I would play the Tech for Mars with half half or all the GI out. I would play uh, Medieval Madnesses that are just just uh, just total black playfield, just dirty, and people would accept that. Um, I know, you know, we're thankful that the Attack for Mars or Medieval Madness on route, but I mean, back then, you could put anything out in like the hot spots and it would earn and. Um, I don't know how they are now. I've been there since 2010. It got a little better. But when I'm playing a uh, Dracula and half the lights are out, right. that's not acceptable. And that, that and this is like one of the meccas. And now it seems like coast to coast because in 2014, I, I had an IT traveling gig. I did servers, routers, switches, and all that jive at a bank. And I went to, like I said, New York City. You know, I was in L.A., 
you know, I was in Texas, you know, I was like everywhere. I went to every barcade I could and uh, the quality's there. And and people aren't playing games out, you know, people put games out because they love pinball and they want to give back. But if it doesn't earn, it's not going to be out. And um, most of the games, I, I, I don't know how to say this, but I think most games that are out right now that are used were not on route 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. They were like in someone's house. In a, uh, in a operator's uh, warehouse, um, they might have been broken on route. So we're at this point where you know, a lot of stuff on route now is not on route, and then there's new games, and so it, it's it, it is an upswing. I, I don't, I mean I as as long as I'm, right. I'm getting new locations every year. Like right. I'm preparing for new spots. I'm not thinking, well, I'm going to start dealing games. If I ever get the point, I'm thinking about being a dealer, um, yeah, then we're hitting a peak in the market in general, but I'm certainly not. What do you mean by that? Like, so explain what does me- being a dealer mean for games? Like you're like flipping games or restoring games. Flipping, yeah. All that jive. I mean that, that there's still a market for that. See, there's more collectors than there are people that'll flip. And, and, um, Basically, it's you know the supply demand factor. Um, there, there's scarcity in the market for all games, even if it's a turd like Wipeout. Where is it? I mean, like if you a lot of these games you can't find. Like used to be at all times you could find, you know, uh, a getaway or you could find, um, I don't know, common stuff. Just right. you could, but now it's like these common games are like a thousand more than they were two three years ago. Um, and they're being they're they're being collected more than flipped, and all games are becoming harder to find. So, what are we doing? A lot of people are buying new games because they can't get what they want. Um, why not? Like, why not? This is the time to just buy what you want if you can afford it, and not wait for oh I'm gonna wait to get it used from some collector later. I mean that. People, everybody's buying everything. Like we're, you know, dealers I know like that sell stuff for a living. Um, they've said for the past year it's hard to find pinball to flip to sell. Right now, do you, let's let's talk about that because do you think we're getting to a point where you we've got. Look, I would say like the the most of the pins that people are collecting, whether either you go new in box, but you've also got just you know tons of games from the 90s and early 2000s as well that are restored or home use only do you think it's going to get to the point though where there's just oversaturation of games that are for sale or are there just are collect the amount of collectors is growing each year where you know if you take a game like tales of the arabian nights there's not that many available for the collector but you know, is it gonna? Are we gonna get oversaturated because there's also so many new games coming out? I mean, I think I counted like six new in box titles are gonna be coming out in 2016 alone, and who knows what the future holds with all these new boutique companies popping up? Like, are we gonna reach a point where the bubble's gonna burst? I mean, everyone's been speculating about that. Like, what are your thoughts? This isn't a stock. This is a real item. This is this. There's no stock options up and down for pinball machines, so. It's a fun, it's a very 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 finite market for restored stuff. That's a niche market. 
if anybody is in that market, they're like walking on eggshells because it's not easy to get someone to pay seven, eight, nine, ten grand for a restore, fifteen grand for a restore game. That's a finite market. But anybody who wants a a Bobo two thousand dollar DMD game, there's a lot of people out there that haven't bought a pinball machine yet. Um, decent A titles that are now you know. Right. Four, four, five, six thousand dollars. There's still people out there that want it um, that they could sell to. So there's more people out there that don't own pinball machines than do. And there's, there's a, I, I would say there's more people out there that would would buy pinball machines if they got it, if they understood it, and if they they thought it made sense or or at least tried, then then probably own them now. So this this theory of a bubble is um, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, I've heard this about ten years ago or seven years ago, and you know all these you know it's it's not really a theory that's holding up, um, right. especially because stuff I want I can't find. You know, if I if I if it's hard for me to get a duplicate of a game, then it's like it's get you know it's there's a there's this really uh, fiery scarcity. Right. Um, but once I can get stuff readily, if I can get five Mario's tomorrow, it's deflating. But I can't. Right. I think it's true. You know, I know I, I noticed that in the uh, even in the arcade world, you know, there's like everyone would always say, and you see this on in, on Pinside, like the price police, like they always try to say what something's worth. But something's only worth what if something is worth what it it takes to pry it from the hands of another collector i would always i'd always go on the arcade forums and be like i really want a neo geo like a restored one what's it worth and everyone would be like 800 bucks so i'd be like all right i'm offering a thousand dollars to a for a mint neo geo like you know four slot nobody would want to sell it from their collections right because they're still hard to find and then i'd be like i'll offer 1500 bucks and they all be like Canada, you're a fucking spoiled brat asshole who's ruining this hobby because you're trying to inflate prices, but still no one would sell it. So I'm like, it, that, it, and I think the same is kind of true you know, in, 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 in pinball. I think, what, I think the games that are going to sort of be maybe on their own sort of bubble are just the new in-box games. Because I think on some level, you're gonna, it, I think there's going to be an inability for so many new in-box titles to hit within a year and all get like 10 grand from collectors, right? Because those games are not going to go on route. You can't tell me, Cody, that like the big Lebowski or Hobbits or, you know, what else? Thunderbirds if it comes out. I mean, these games are now costing... I mean, people are not putting Ghostbusters LE on route, really. Some people might. But for the most part, these premium price pins... uh it's going to be interesting to see if they all can sort of find homes with them all hitting within such a short period of time. I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's at the t- it's at the point now where three pinball machines, new in box, are going to cost you twenty seven thousand dollars. Okay, uh, Stern knows what they're doing. Um, whether Jack's doing more right than wrong because games are being made. Um, I think that their philosophy of shipping them to operators first was smart. Um, no comment on how they're holding up on route. From my experience, uh, Big Lebowski, there might someone might route it. Um, side funny side note: I I threw down two hundred fifty bucks on Predator when it 
uh, they said he said he was going to make it before like they they showed anything. And um, when they said, "Oh, give us more money," I'm like, "No, I didn't even play it." So I only had 250 in because I, yeah, that that's as much as it was worth to me. You dodged a bullet there. I I also lost 250 on Predator because I went in too and I offered to buy a guy's spot from him for 500 bucks, and he sold it to me. And I was like, 250 of that's non-refundable. And the same thing happened. I was like, uh, and I mean, did you see on, um, I know we're sort of sidetracked a little bit, but do you see the, uh, the court documents on that, that just hit this week? Yeah. I've gotten letters about, um, Hey, he's in from miscellaneous lawyers. Like, Hey, it's in chapter seven. I'm like, it's $250 in the grand scheme of my life. Big deal to, you know, I just want my shirt that says I survived Predator Gate, you know, and put like number 81. That was my number on the back. And, and he referenced me and like two or three, whoever else is going to route it in the interviews. He says, well, there's people that are going to operate on, you know, right. and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's me. I was going to put that in a movie theater. So, right. yeah, it's right. a chopper. A chopper is going. And I was like, what's that noise? Chopper. I'm like, are you OK? Uh, the chopper. I'll get my 250. Well, there was like um, someone someone shared the basically the bankruptcy f- files that was really interesting because I mean basically what Kevin's trying to do is declare bankruptcy and not let people know where the million dollars went and it's just kind of crazy I mean there's like these you know there's like these instances where like he he uh, took out like ninety seven thousand dollars from Skippy's account into you know and wrote it like gave it to him personally. I know he tried to buy his wife or he bought his wife a house for like $30,000 went to that. Uh, the speculation is he went to some offshore islands a few times and, and you know, people are wondering if he set up accounts there. It's, I mean, that, that'd be, I don't know if he, that guy's smart enough to do that, but it's just crazy that he is uh, waking up every day with, with all those people's money and, uh, and not, not a penny has been uh, retrieved. I, I I think that is – along with J-Pop, and, and I know, Cody, you actually – you interviewed J-Pop right before he brought his empty cabinets to, to Expo. What, what was that like talking to J-Pop? Uh, it, it was interesting because I usually – I typically do a video interview, and uh, I, I had to send him questions beforehand when I was emailing him back and forth online. And he said, uh, how is this going to be done? I said, uh, video. He says, oh, I, I don't do video. So I had to run to Radio Shack um, and get a mic, test it on the way there. And um, But, yeah, it was it, it's an interesting thing. I was thinking today about it uh, in a nutshell that he's kind of Willy Wonka pinball but with no Oompa Loompas to build the games. So, I mean, he's just Willy Wonka. He's just a dude and uh, it's kind of creative. Um, they got really great art from Zombietti, and um, he had other people working on audio and things. Um, he didn't say this was off the record, so I'll just say it. He said that um, um, when I was talking to him that at one point he was offered to do Avengers at Stern. I don't know whether that's true or not, but that's what he said, and he declined. So then he kept doing um, you know, Magic Girl and things like that, and... Uh, he was, let's just say he was working on other stuff in the back, so he kind of was working on what, you know, far too many things at once to even right. be focused on one game. Um, 
you know, when I asked him in the interview, I said, so you're making the game you want to make? And he says, no, I'm making the game that people want. I should have known at that point. I'm like, no. Like, I listen to all his other interviews. I'm like, at that moment, I'm like, no. he's It's, no. Right. This, this isn't going to work out. Right. I mean, I think it's a really good assessment. I mean, I actually, I mean, I took a lot of flack because I started talking to John. Shush, like... I remember he was supposed to reveal Magic Girl to the world. I think it was like in December. I don't even know what year it was. I think it was like 20, it was it 2014? I think it was right. to be the reveal. And so I started talking to him probably in like October of that year. And I was like, look, John, like I've been hearing so much about Magic Girl. Um, I really want to, you know, I think we should reveal it to the world in a, in a, in a better way. Because at that time, all pinball reveals were just, the biggest, the the sh- I'm a marketer. They were like the shittiest reveals I've ever seen of, of like an exciting product, and we were gonna get John a big exclusive with Wired, um, and and we had it all, we had all the wheels ready, but you know the editor would just be like, well, is can we go shoot it? Is it finished? And it would just be like month after month of no, 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 no. Uh, um, but talking to John, like you know, it's it it is a little sad because I do think in his head the guy is a pretty much a design genius when it comes to pinball but like you said he needs the oompa loompas to sort of make everything and he had he had nobody and he was and he just got lost in his own web of trying to in you know re-engineer the entire thing whether or not you should all the way down to like the bolts on the freaking legs to make them spikes you know it just it just he couldn't and he couldn't finish anything and and I think it's a shame and he probably should have taken that Avengers job with Stern and who knows we we maybe would have seen a, a Ghostbusters designed Papa Duke machine from Stern with Zombietti on it. He had people help along the way and um, it's it's cognitive dissonance. It's like he did, just didn't know. Like he really believed like it could somehow magic magically work and that's insane um and and honestly i would i i just have to say like i can only speak for myself i won't give anybody a lot of money uh without a guarantee and even guaranteed writing all my all my dealings i only do handshake deals honestly if i if i if i don't if i don't if if i need a contract i don't trust you i just do handshake deals in my business but i'm not giving someone 10 15 20 30 grand that hasn't made a pinball machine uh in x amount of years that doesn't have a company behind him that it's it's you know it's it's a a, well who's that's that's an interesting question so who's the bigger fool right j-pop or some of the guys who gave him who paid for all three games in full before it's not even that it's not even that because if you can afford it you'll do it that you know and and even if you can't you know you'll you know, you'll eat the re- you know the result of that. But uh, most most people that that put money down, that was extracurricular. That was you know spending free you know fun money. Right. And it and it wasn't fun. You know, it, it, and it sucks. Right. But you know, you, you know, it, it's it was a gamble. It right. was an option. And just like the people are buying new new in box games. This is going back to that. Um, I've met people that have like boxes of Avengers LEs in their house or other games in their house. They thought it was an investment. Um, it's a product, right? You know, it's a game. Um, I think that's 
that's fading away. That was the hype for that is fading away outside of like Ghostbusters Ellie is is worth you know. Well, what's if so? You have that. Leave what, it in a box if you have two. Right. Yeah. What's so interesting? So I have a Ghostbusters Ellie on order. Luckily, mine has not shipped with any issues, and and right now the line is frozen. So I'm kind of excited because I might get one of the few that has the where Stern corrects the issues before they ship. So it's getting to the point where like maybe a late run Ghostbusters Ellie new in box will become the rarest and the most sought after, right? And look, what confused me too is, and I agree with you, Cody, is a lot of people were speculating on a lot of pins. <laughs> And I, I often hear that like Avengers Ali was the one that burned everybody. Um, Transformers continued the burn. Um, but, you know, because people were still chasing the next Tron Ali. They were tracing like the big, you know, big back in the BIB uh, ACDCs. So, but, but, you know, when, when I, when I went in on Ghostbusters, it was so easy to reserve an LE. You could just send any distributor a hundred bucks. That's all they, that's all Trent required. I could have bought five. I could have given a check for 500 bucks and had five new in box and flipping them has, you know, has been super simple. I mean, I, I got a guy on the hook to buy mine for 9,500. I paid 8,000 for it. Now, I'm still not sure I'm going to sell it just because I just might want the pin. I mean, I think it might be worth just keeping that pin and just waiting on it. Um, but it's going to be interesting you know, to see what the future is for these LEs and if it can be a sustainable you know, sort of short-term investment for people. Because I, I, when I look at the Hobbit especially, people are flipping those things. I just saw some guy put a Hobbit SE up for sale today for 7500 It's like... People are losing money on these things in short-term sort of emotional purchases, and they're not all going to hit. I don't know about losing money. If if you pay eight grand and you pay, and you play it five hundred times at a buck a play, you're not really losing your butt. I mean, you know that they're kind of like that's true. Like you you won a game and you've owned it. You're like cool. You got it out of your system. You know, it's what is that worth? Is that worth five hundred dollars that you owned it? Is that worth a thousand? Is that worth a hundred? Like the value, like everything has a, a, a value. Right, um, right. So like once I've had games, I'm like, cool, I'm over it. Now I don't have that kind of suspense in the back of my head. Like, oh, I'm looking for it and I want it. Right. You know, I don't, I'm not like, you know, wondering when I'm going to get this game. And um, yeah, it's, they're going to keep making, you know, they're making them. Um, well, I mean, like it's, it's what's fun about this era of pinball is we've never had the the amount of companies making new pinball machines like it was there there was always what just like you had you had Stern you had Bally Williams you had Data East but Capcom but Gottlieb but they there was never the the volume of companies that there is now all jockeying for collector dollars right I mean right now you've got I'm I'm gonna try and count them so you got Spooky you've got JJP you've got Stern You've got Dutch Pinball. You've got Highway Pinball. Uh, you've got Home Pin with their Thunderbirds. You've got. Uh, I'm at six right now. Am I missing any? Who am I missing? Uh, you've got. Oh, you got Planetary Pinball with the remakes, right? That's seven. Plus, you, know, you got the Pinball Circus guys if they ever make that. I mean, so you know. So my point is, all these companies and some of them are 
are structured right now where they're going to have factories that should be able to pump out more than one title per every few years. So I'm excited because I, I, I love the fact that, you know, we could have a Star Wars. I, I The rumor is that Toy Story is going to be JJP's number four. Pat Lawler is going to be JJP's number three. Uh, you know, there's going to be a Batman retheme, it sounds like, coming from Stern. There's just so many games coming out that every... You know, every six months we're going to see you know a pin or two uh, available. I mean, that's exciting. I mean, the, the, you if you said that ten years ago, people would be like, "You're crazy." Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, even if you look at the early years of Stern, it was rough. It was all like Striker Extreme, High Roller Casino. I mean, you know, it was uh, yeah, not I mean, good. They were. I, I, mean, I, I would never have bought. Like, if I was an operator, I wouldn't have bought that stuff. Like, right. I would have kept Adam's Family out. I would have kept, like, uh, South Park. Like, South Park's still earned. Um, but, yeah, volume-wise, um, it has been a lot higher uh, in pinball. Um, you know, with, uh, you know, you had Capcom. You had, uh, you know, Sega, Williams. Um, but but I think, you, you know, the, the unique games coming out. Like, Big Lebowski would not have come out 10 years ago. Um Ghostbusters. See, a lot of these games, like Ghostbusters, you say, well, you could say it could have happened in the 90s, um, but why not wait? Why not let the nostalgia build? Like, right. it didn't have to happen in the 90s. Right. You know, uh, ACDC could happen in the 90s, 2000, right. early 2000s. You know, it's, uh, I mean, my question is how many good themes are left? Like, good Themes that could sell like ACDC, like uh, uh, maybe a Ghostbusters. I, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars, but that's not. That's. I mean, it's it's kind of a rehash. Right. I you mean, I, like I think there's like, I think there's a good amount of nostalgic themes that Stern could go after or JJP. I mean, like I mean, you can go into like Ninja Turtles. You could go to Thundercats. You could go to He Man. You know. You could go through all the '80s cartoons that people loved and make amazing machines based on the, you know, the freaking Smurfs. And and I'm, there's just something about if you look at the buyer of these machines now, especially the collector who is in their 40s and 50s. If you look at the era that is nostalgic to them, it's right in that sweet spot, right? And I mean, there's a reason why even like a show like Stranger Things is so popular right now on Netflix. It's like this. This like '80s, '90s like resurgence is is going to be around for a while, uh, and I think Stern is learning that. I mean, even with like the '66 Batman retheme, that is the rumor to happen. I mean, the fact that Stern now can make money a second time over on on machines that have already been R and D'd and just re, you know reskin it is, is I think you know a genius move on Stern's part. It's happened in pinball, and it should have happened more by now. Family Guy with Shrek. I mean, Family Guy, why why wouldn't that be remade? They made like 400 of it. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, – I, I, you know, Stern knows the demographics. I don't know if the other companies know what their demographics are, but Stern knows, knows what they're doing. They know their demographics. Um, it's people in their fifties. It's people in their forties. Um, 
the X factor is, are people in their 20s and 30s going to buy pinball machines as much as people in their 40s and 50s? I have no way of telling. They can't people afford get- it. They can't Unless you're rich and then you have, you're an iBanker, there's no way people in their 20s are dropping like eight grand on a machine. You just can't afford it. I mean – Well, even five. I mean like you, you know, if you have good credit – I mean the, the you know bubble you know the the, the next the, we are in the credit bubble right now right. we are in the biggest credit bubble in the history of man and I don't know I mean if you have it use it if you have it right. uh, utilize it and build it up the best you can and that's an X factor too of, of of pinball is people have credit and I don't know how many people are buying people games on credit but I'm sure they are um, why not. Right. Why not? I mean, most of the people I know who are into pinball, like the the concept of even owning a machine to them is so foreign. Well, especially I'm in New York City too, because it's like they don't have room, and secondly, it's you know they're they're just working hard to pay their rent, and so the notion of of an eight thousand dollar machine is is super surprising to them. Uh, But you know, throughout America though, and I've been to all the different conventions and expos, there's Plenty of multimillionaires out there that if, you know, collecting pinballs is a lot cheaper than collecting cars and collecting watches and, and you know, in other other areas of entertainment, it's not that bad. Um, you know, one one Mercedes S-Class is not even a collector car is like $120,000 now. So you could slice that up into an amazing game room of new inbox pinball machines. But... What what Cody? What game are you most excited about? That's currently like new, and what game like looking forward are you really hoping comes out that is a theme you've been waiting for? Um, Ghostbusters is is great. I'm I'm a I like playing in tournaments. Um, I run tournaments in Jacksonville. Um, it's a player's game. I really enjoy it. I played the LE shortly at the at uh, Southern Fried. It's the first, I plunged the ball, and the first thing to do is hit one of the Magnus Lings and threw threw the ball up the left out uh, the left uh, loop again. And uh, it's a very dynamic game. There isn't anything quite like that. Um, there really isn't. There's not a game quite like uh, Ghostbusters Premium LE or even the Pro. I mean, Pro is neat. Um, Alien. I wonder because it's Dennis Norman. I mean, I. Dennis Norman makes uh, great flow, uh, unique shots in games, uh, shopping out a, a demolition man for a customer uh, right now, and it, he really makes uh, unique shots in his games, so he had worked on that. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to wonder, like, why he left so early on. I mean, that whole that whole thing was kind of sketchy, if you ask me. I mean, he kind of uh, just, like, jumped no, shit. No, no, I mean, he, he's a higher gun. And he works on what he wants to work on. That's, I mean, to me, that that's that's what's up with him because he's he's worked on other games too, um, you know, with right. the P3 and this and that. And like, why are you gonna hang out after you did your part? I mean, there's there's a lot more to it. I mean, designing a I'm not saying it's simple, but you know, you design the layout of a game. The rest of it's like the mechanics. They're not going to have him around for mechanics and things like that. Um, you know, he, you know, and now he's uh, going to do stuff with uh, with Stern, which I'm I'm really excited about. I know he's been working on 
Uh, he's all he's been working on play fields, right? Uh, you know, constantly on his what, own time. What have you played P three? What are your thoughts on multimorphic and if it can? Do you think that's a viable technology for this hobby? I tell you this: you go to these these um, called David buttholes. It's a scam. All these all these big FECs where um, they're glorified iPad games, um, Fruit Ninja, and garbage like that, and and they earn. And they earn, and and that that factor of having a screen, um, it's it's or you know the you know, flashiness is is a big deal. I mean that's why you have to have LEDs in a pinball machine. Now do you, you know it's you know um, you know Hobbit and Wizard of Oz. There's nothing that looks like visually like it. Um, most people play you know care more about the play field, what what's going on with the ball, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I look at people playing my games, and I even play them, and I think, like a customer, I'm like, like this, this isn't, it's a ball. Sometimes right. I just think, like, it's a ball. Like, but I know the rules, so I'm like, all right, cool, I'm shooting for this, this, that, that. You have to have, you know, sometimes you have to have that wow factor, but FECs aren't going to be behind P3. You know, I mean, that that to me would be the place to sell it. That's That would be the place to show it off. And to kind of hustle, it would be like, you know, Dave and Buster's. And um, if you get them into Chuck E. Cheese, they would earn. They totally right. would earn. Cause so, so as an operator, you, you know, a game like that, that just looks like it's so much different and has so much more visual sort of pop to it, is going to do well. No. It has neat mechanics and um, it's like so, visually so pleasing, but so I wouldn't, I don't, the, I don't think it would earn on route. Really? Cause, but, but you think like at those locations you mentioned they would do better because that type Not of stuff? Not my locations though. Right, right. Like, I mean, a movie theater, like at a movie theater, I have a Doctor Who and a Revenge of Mars. Well, Revenge of Mars is very sci-fi. People play it. Doctor Who. I mean, there's so many Whovians out there. You know, even if you don't know Doctor Who, it's a good-looking game. Um, I would like to see what the earnings are. I, I, I really would. Um Right. So well, I, you know, well, 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 route it. Right. Well, hopefully, like, hopefully it comes out soon. I mean, I, we we were talking a little bit about this on a, in an episode a, 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 like a week ago, but uh, you know, I was just going a rundown of all the machines that should be out by now, and I think P3 has done the 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 tour of the country five times over, and it's at the point now where where, where Jerry uh, just needs to start shipping them. I mean, if it's you know, I think enough people have seen the technology. Now it's time to just see if there's actual demand for it. So hopefully we see that in the next like six months. Um, so Star Wars, are you a big Star Wars fan? Like that's a rumor, stern title that's supposed to be somewhere down the line. It makes sense. Um, I watched the the good three movies once or twice. Uh, then the not so good ones once. I won't watch the new ones. Um, yeah, but it, it the demographic is perfect. They're gonna sell a lot of the LE. The premiums are gonna sell like hotcakes. When I talk about Star Wars to um, just you know casual pinball players or collectors, they go goo goo and gaga about it. So it's it's money in the bank. Right. Um, it's gonna sell. Uh, I don't even think it has to be good. <laughs> like it, like it, it could just be like my thing is it has it should have toys in it. You know, like if you have a game like WWE, which frankly, uh, that fan base can uh, afford a beer and maybe order pay per view a year, so that they, that's not a good demographic. 
uh, for pinball. But if they were going to do it, to me, WWE right, it would have had toys in it, like Transformers did or Champion Pub, like something like that, something very, you know, George uh, Gomez stuff. Right. Um, but like Star Wars at East has that element, you know, it has the uh, the toys in it that are some stuff to look at. Um, it really should have a lot of flow, like Steve Ritchie flow to me. Um, well, I think Ritchie's I doing mean, it. Isn't that the rumor that Ritchie's doing it? And I've heard everything here, or there, but to me, like if you're gonna if you're gonna have Star Wars, you have to have a video screen. You can't do dots again. Three games with with, with well, that's that's red dots. That's confirmed. That's confirmed already. Um, Jody, um, their head of marketing, already said the next game is LCD moving forward. So, what it, what to me, what it needs, and if it doesn't have this, I'll just be forever disappointed in life. It needs to have like Kylo Ren grabbing the ball, like like he's force grabbing it and 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 like f- moving it, because it's. If they don't use magnets heavily in a Star Wars game, then I think it's gonna be a miss. Like I don't want to see it just like a Game of Thrones kind of flowy game. I also want to have some. I-, I need to see the ball doing some magical Jedi shit, or else I think they've sort of missed an opportunity. Yeah, J Pop is pretty good at kind of doing the like the magic type feel of shots and games. Um, you know, Mist Multiball is a very great gimmick, but it doesn't really like translate. It's like, wow, that's missed. No, it's it's a ball going across the the play field and it looks cool, but it doesn't really convey that you know missed. No one says like, oh, that's missed. It's right. just a ball going across that looks cool. But if yeah, if they did stuff like that, like the force, like it grabs the ball and then you have to knock that ball out to like continue the mode or something. Like it has to have something like that, or it's you know, yeah, I mean, it has to have something solid totally totally well cody like any any advice you have to people that are sort of looking at their maybe their home collection and realizing shit why do i have 20 pins just sitting here that i never turn on maybe i should put some on location if anyone's thinking of becoming like an operator and testing the waters what are some uh, tips or advice you can give those people Number one is uh, like everything starts with thought, thought creates. So you have to visualize this. Like I visualize this in my head before I even bought one game. Um, if you don't visualize having a game out, don't, then you're not going to do it. But if you, if you visualize like, oh, I could put a game in this shop or you like, you visualize like, hey, this bar could use a pinball machine or my friend's store. Um, that's, that's the first step. And then, and then also um, I talk to operators too about this. And um, about like the negotiation strategy, you go in and you say, hey, uh, have you ever had pinball in here? And they say, um, yes or no, whatever they say. They say, nah. And then they say, um, would you like one? And see, everybody's life is ruled by two words, interest level. Interest level goes from zero to 100. It's a quantifiable thing. So if you go into a place and they say, they say hey, uh, you want a pinball machine? There you go. What? Walk. Or if they say, I don't know, walk, maybe, walk. If they say, hell yeah, now you can negotiate. And I've known operators that put games out, like operator operators, you know, and they're like, well, I put these games in here. And I said, well, how did negotiation go? Well, they said they didn't mind. I'm like, then that you're doomed. But if you, if you can find a place that's hot and they'll give you the, the best cut possible, um, right. you know, I mean, parts break. But to me, that's like, 
you know, when you when you if a part if a part breaks and you put a new part in it, it's you're you're still getting value back in a game. So I'd say you know just do it if it's a place you like, it's a place you frequent already. You know, you you already have rapport with it. I mean, I put games in places. I don't go to bars. I, I don't even drink. But I put them in like hipster bars, dive bars, and I go in there and um, you know, but they welcome it. You know, right. That's the X factor. And just um, I mean, heck, I'm uh, I'll play games for other friends. You know, right. I, why not? Like you know. Now I got to ask a question um, for our good friend Wise Snow over on Pinside. Are, are dollar bill acceptors like a requirement for location-based games? Depends. If there's a change machine like right next to it, um, not re- not so much. Um, but if there isn't, you should whenever possible. Um, if I don't have it, if I do not have a change machine in a location, because that's the location's duty. If they care, they're going to have a change machine. If they don't, they're not. Right. Now, locations that don't put a change machine there, um, it is a big, it is an X factor. Like I have to have a bill acceptor if possible. And that's the problem. Is some of these games, well, most of my games, like the, the, if there's a change machine, um, you know, uh, there is a change machine. But if I have a game out and I can't put a bill acceptor on it, and there isn't a change machine, that's a quandary right there. Right. Like. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I, I, you shouldn't do that. Right. Well, Cody, um, this has been a great chat, and I hope you can come on the show again sometime soon. I, I know that the listeners always enjoy interviews. Uh, it gets me off of the soapbox, uh, and I always try to keep the episodes within an hour, so we're around like 56 minutes minus – well, in addition to my little intro, I'll do. But I want to thank you for coming on. Any last comments you want to make before we do this again sometime in the near future? Um, to be continued. Um, yeah, yeah, just have fun. Play some pinball. Uh, my philosophy, uh, the, the psychology of pinball 101 is um, pinball puts you in the now. It puts you in now uh, status where you're not – uh, think about your work or bills or you're not, you know, looking at your phone. You know, it puts you in a now uh, now status. If it doesn't, you're not doing it right. But, um, you know, it puts you in the now. So just keep playing pinball, um, putting you in the now and just uh, and have fun. If you're not having fun, get another hobby. Right. I think it's some great advice. And actually, you know, now that I think about it, I do. My, my my mind never wonders when I play pinball. It's always on what's going on on the play field. So I think that's a it's it's a unique quality. It's probably you know one of the hard to describe reasons why so many people do love the hobby and enjoy pinball as a as an entertainment device. So Cody, thank you so much for joining Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, you can send all the hate mail you get after joining Canada's Pinball Podcast to my apartment in New York City, and I will happily write back to those bastards. And and, and we, we invite anyone and everyone who wants to share their pinball points of view onto this podcast. Just email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. But Cody, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your day to join us, and we will talk again real soon. Thank you very much. All right, Cody. Take it easy.